In America, our food choices are not always the healthiest, and we often eat for all the wrong reasons when we feel tired, stressed, anxious, or sad. As a result, we feel sluggish and lethargic and caffeinate ourselves to get through the day. Does that describe you? Believe it or not, there is a direct link between your stomach and your soul. We'll be going through a church-wide Daniel Fest in which we cut out the carbs, comfort food, and eat clean, primarily fruit, vegetables, and water. The 40-day fast is meant to tame our flesh and train our spirit to constantly choose Jesus over donuts, pizza, alcohol, and coffee. Join us for a life-changing experience. In just 40 days, you can feel better physically, mentally, and spiritually. Sunday fun day, everybody. Want well, to welcome you to Liquid. I'm Tim, one of the pastors here. And uh, let's do this. Let's give a big old Liquid welcome to all our campuses who are joining us via broadcast. Glad you guys are here. Welcome. If you're church online or listening on podcast, thrilled that you're here today. We actually have reason to celebrate uh, because you guys made it. If you've been tracking along, today is officially day 14 of our churchwide fast. Is you still with me? I hope you are. Hang in there. Don't ring that quit bell, right? Only 26 days until Easter, and we're already seeing some pretty amazing signs of breakthrough. Um, if you're new, our church is like doing this kind of experiment, right? It's a, a kind of a wild adventure we're on. We are praying and fasting for 40 days leading up to Easter weekend. And just like prayer, fasting is an ancient spiritual discipline that Christians have used for thousands of years in order to draw closer to God. By definition, uh, fasting is just uh, giving up or refraining from physical food. Typically, it's food. It's sacrificing something for a spiritual purpose. And uh, we're all fasting different things, so you don't have to compare to other people. No judgment. Uh, Many of us are doing a thing called the Daniel Fast, where we're giving up uh, sweets and breads and meat, all that uh, stuff that tastes delicious to kind of eat the stuff that our mothers told us to eat, but we didn't like very much, right? Fruits and vegetables, whole grains, nuts, really eating clean for 40 days. Other people are saying, hey, I'm just uh, uh, fasting um, what I drink, alcohol, I'm giving up for 40 days, or uh, caffeine, and I'm drinking pure water, kind of cleanse the temple. Other people are doing a non-food fast. In other words, they're giving up uh, social media or Facebook, or they're fasting, you know, watching television or or Netflix. Uh, Whatever it is, we're all fasting for different stuff, but we have the same goal, and that is we are seeking spiritual breakthrough. Can we say that word? Breakthrough. And what's incredible is we're already starting to see signs of breakthrough at all of our campuses. Um, And I got a few testimonies today. They're pretty cool. Um, This sort of surprises me because most times during a fast, the blessings don't come often during the fast, but in the weeks and months after it. But uh, God's Spirit is already at work in many of your lives. This week, a man named Michael, he posted this message. He said, my wife and I have been led by the Spirit to do this fast. And although we're in the wilderness in terms of what we eat and drink and how we feel physically, he has brought us to the mountaintop in our marriage, family, and relationship with him in just seven days. Let's hear it for that. That's pretty cool, right? Praise God. That's an awesome thing. Fasting has a huge impact on our relationships because one of the things fasting does is, right, it kind of reveals all our dependencies, all of our kind of our sinful heart. We have a critical tongue or a judgmental spirit or we're kind of sharp or sarcastic with our words. All of a sudden, fasting kind of breaks up that hardness of heart. We become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We become more self-aware of how we act. And then the spirit starts actually winning the battle. Uh, over our flesh. He takes over our thoughts. He's influencing our attitudes and our actions. 
Uh, and some of you, it's life-changing. I, I got a text from a, a guy who said uh, he's quitting chewing tobacco uh, on, this, on this fast. And he said, at first, him giving it up was killer, but the cravings are completely gone, and I am officially two weeks tobacco-free. Give him a hand. You're going to make it, man. Those of you who are giving up some of these dependencies, you can fast to break addictions. Keep your commitment. It can break chains. It can restore relationships, marriages. Fasting and prayer are very powerful. And as a church, we are believing God for some great things. And so today, I want to teach you how to pray with power while you fast. Remember, fasting without prayer is just dieting. You don't bother. You might as well go on Atkins or Weight Watchers. It's not really fasting. The idea is you're giving up food, but you're replacing it with spiritual disciplines, like meditating on God's Word, right? We're feasting on, on Scripture, saturating ourselves that way. But then the idea is you're also intensifying your prayer life. In fact, this is kind of cool. The word fasting literally means to cover your mouth. In other words, you are restricting for a season what goes in your mouth, but you are at the same time increasing what comes out of it in talking to God. Your prayers, your praises, your petitions. And prayer is a very powerful weapon. Prayer is the number one way that Christians talk to our Father in heaven. Or, as Jesus called him, our Abba, which means anybody? Daddy, yeah. And so this is really important, guys, because prayer, talking with your daddy in heaven, uh, who loves you, who cares for you, protects you, provides for you, um, prevailing prayer is the way you draw upon his strength in battles you face that are too big for you to win. And today I want to talk about how to prevail in prayer. Can you say that word prevail? Prevail. You know what it means? It means winning. H how do you have victory through prayer? So you can turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 17 or flip there on your phone. Um, if you are in your group's guide, it's week four, ask anything. But I'd actually like to use a different scripture than the one that's printed in here, if that's all right. Uh, I was outlining this series a few months ago, and I had a message kind of prepped on the basics of prayer in, in Luke 11. But honestly, based on your response last Sunday, I felt like the Holy Spirit saying, Tim, they're ready for more. Because last Sunday was lit, wasn't it? La yeah, last Sunday was on fire. That was exciting. And I'm not even caffeinated anymore, man. <laughs> right? What, what's happening? Maybe you notice, I've probably been a little bit more fired up and, and maybe a little more in your face because that's the power of fasting too. What you're, what you're seeing is you're seeing your, your pastor's spirit opening up more to the Holy Spirit. And so I want to obey whenever the Holy Spirit says, Tim, I want you to call an audible. I want you to go a little different direction. Are you guys good with that? Yeah. I get your permission? All right, good. Let's do this. But <laughs> except for the note takers. Right now, the note takers are freaking out, right? Because you're like, you mean you're not going to fill in the blanks today? I just want I got, won't be complete. See me after the service. I'll fill them in for you, all right? You can probably guess them anyway. But uh, last Sunday, I taught you that fasting is spiritual warfare. It is intentionally picking a fight with the enemy of your soul. So understand, this is powerful stuff. It's dangerous stuff when you fast. You're playing with dynamite. You are picking a fight with the enemy, and maybe you felt that spiritual resistance this week. Maybe you felt tempted, you know, at certain moments by some of your old dependencies. Maybe, uh, you know, you were at work, and, you know, your friends are now starting to poke fun at you, right? Oh, okay. Hey, enjoy your hummus again, because we're going to P.F. Chang's for lunch, okay? Uh, but the battle I want to talk about today, it's a lot bigger than physical temptation. That's the one level. This is about waging war in the power of the Holy Spirit. It, we sung today, you know, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come flood this place with your atmosphere, your glory, Lord. It's what our hearts long for. We have a hunger for that. 
But when you wage war, it is praying with the power of heaven behind you. It is prevailing against the enemy in all of the different battles that you face. Uh, people in this congregation at all our campuses, we're facing all different sorts of battles. We've got people who are, uh, who are fighting to adopt a child. Uh, multiple people who are actually in a legal battle with the foster care system. There are people facing legal battles at work, uh, conflicts with their superiors, you know. Uh, or there's people who's praying for provision of a job. It's not just that they're out of work. They're asking God for a job that uses their God-given gifts. Uh, we have people who are battling cancer. They're going through chemo, other very serious health issues. They want heaven's hand of healing on their life. A lot of you are praying for the salvation of loved ones, uh, that through this fast, your, your father's heart will soften or your mother will come to know the Lord. We have people praying for their son or daughter uh, who are lost, but that they'll, they'll be sensitized and just kind of drop the walls and open up their life to God, and specifically Jesus as their Savior. There's all these different battles that we are facing, and today I want to teach you how to prevail with prayer and win the victory in Jesus' name. Amen? So let's look at God's Word. This is Exodus chapter 17. I'll start here at verse 8. It says this, The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to do what? To fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow, I'm going to stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. Now, let me give you a little background here. Because the Amalekites were one of the most vicious and violent tribes in the ancient world. They not only conquered their enemies, they actually, uh, historically we know, they killed women and children for sport. So this is like ISIS. This is wicked people here, okay? On the other hand, God's people, the Israelites, were not military people. They actually had no weapons. At this moment, they had literally just been liberated from Egypt, 400 years as slaves, and now they're out in the desert without a compass wandering around. They're sitting ducks. So get this picture in your head, right? They're like out there wandering, and here come the Amalekites. It's like Mad Max, like, blah, 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 you know, they're coming at them. The scene is set for mass slaughter. But Moses has a strategy. He says to Joshua, you go down to the valley and fight while I go to the top of the hill with the staff of God or the rod of God in my hand. Now, what does Moses do? Look at verses 10 and 11. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And then Moses, look at this, with Aaron and Hur, so he took two friends, went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses did what? held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. So catch this. Moses goes up to the mountain, and he literally holds up his hands to heaven. Everybody hold up your hands right now, all our campuses. Make them like goalposts, like this, like you're kicking a field goal. All right, you got them up? Awesome. Now what's this a picture of, right? We know, right? This is prayer. This is, this is him saying, God, I need your help. God, you got to save your people. God, you got to fight this battle. Help, help, help. And God answers. Keep your hands up. I want you to keep these up for a little bit, all right? Keep them up. Let's have a little contest. It said, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were what? Prevailing. They were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, what happened? The enemy was winning. So have your hands up like this. Everybody say winning. winning. Now go like this. Say losing. losing. Winning. Winning, losing. Two more. Winning, 
losing. Winning, losing. We're going to see who skipped arm day at the gym this week right now. Right? Come on. Keep them up. Keep them up. See? Come on. And you're like, oh, my deltoids, the burn. Yeah, you got a little workout today. I want to have this contest because some of you are like, well, you know, if it was easy as that, Tim, I'd be winning all day. This battle took 24 hours. So Moses has his hands up this whole time. How long do you think you can keep him up? We're going to have a little contest, and I guarantee, like JP, I know, you're like Mr. Fitness. I'm going to beat you. Today's the day, all right? I'm going to, because I'm going to be like Moses. Keep him up. Watch. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, okay? So he's sitting on a stone, and here's what it, cool, cool, he had two friends. Keep him up. Aaron and her held, or whenever Moses' hands grew tired, Aaron and her held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So I'm going to ask for an Aaron and a her. I need, I need some, stay there where you are, you keep your arms up, I'm going to defeat you right now. Give me an Aaron. Here's her. <laughs> right? Oh, JP, I'll be here all day, bro. You're going down, right? Get this picture in your head, right? Whenever his friends came to help him, they're winning. And not only that, verse 13 says, so Joshua overcame the enemy with the sword. Guys, there's something about the power of prayer when believers come together in the battle that brings the breakthrough. You understand? According to one strand, you can snap it. Two, harder to break. Three, you cannot break that cord. This is a picture, guys, what happens when the people of God go to battle in prayer. Amen? Can we thank Nithin and Kyra, my Aaron and her? You can put your hands down. I'm going to call you guys back in a minute, okay? So hang, hang around. I, I want to share a few big ideas with you from this word from God. And at first, I think it's pretty obvious. It's that prevailing prayer releases heaven's power always. And prayer is the most powerful weapon in the arsenal of every Christian. What is prayer? It's not, you know, bless this mess, you know, the food we're about to eat. It is from earth. You are opening the gates of heaven and giving your Father in heaven your requests and pulling down the power of God into your daily battles. The most powerful people of faith are praying people. I'm not talking about Christians who believe in prayer. I'm not talking about preachers who preach about prayer, but people who actually take the time to prevail in prayer. They take the time that they don't have. In other words, most people say, I'd like to pray more, I just don't have the time. No, no, no. People who are victorious in the Christian life steal time from other important things, urgent things in their life. But they say, I'm going to go to battle in prayer first because they understand if I pray first, it's the key to victory in every other thing that I face in my day. In Luke 11, Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. I want you to seek, actively go after it, and you're going to find something. And I want you to knock and the door will be open to you. Ask, seek, knock. More, more, more. Be persistent. Because prayer is the power that unleashes the favor of heaven. Prayer is God saying to you, if you will act, I will move. If you will ask me, I will answer you. If you will pray, I will pour out my blessing and favor into your life. The Bible says that the prayer of a righteous person is what? powerful and effective. And if you look all throughout scripture, the men and women who were more than conquerors, they prevailed in prayer. They overcame their battles and their enemies by drawing on the power of God Almighty. 
In the Bible, uh, Elijah, he literally calls down fire from heaven. And when he prayed, it didn't rain for three and a half years. A little dry spell. Moses prayed. And then he went in to see Pharaoh. And God said, that ain't your fight anymore. Now I'm going to war against Pharaoh. And he fought and he set his people free for them. King David prayed when he was being hunted by Saul, who was throwing spears at him, hunting him like a dog. And David prayed, protect me from my enemies. And God not only protected him from Saul, he made David the king. He reversed the whole situation. When God's people were faced with annihilation, the first holocaust on record, Queen Esther said, I'm going to pray and fast for three days, 72 hours, no food, all prayer. When she went in to see the king, not only were God's people saved, but her enemy was hung on the gallows he prepared for her. Joshua prayed, and the sun stood still. They marched around Jericho seven times, and with heaven's help, the walls came down. Anybody have walls in their life need coming down? All through the Bible, men and women who walk in victory are people who pray prevailing prayers. Now, why do I say prevailing prayer? Because I'm not talking about casual prayer. You know, where you kind of, you know, on the way to work, oh, God bless the day, watch over the kids, you know, bless my, you know, uh, toasted oats or, uh, or, you know, smoothie, okay, you know, kind of thing. I'm not talking about foxhole prayers. Some of you are like, yeah, man, I, pray. I remember praying really hard one time, man, when my uncle got blah, blah, blah. You only pray to God when there's a crisis or a problem. And I'm not talking about churchy prayers where you get all fancy with the these and thous trying to impress other people. I'm talking about prevailing prayer, the kind of authentic and from the heart, a cry of the heart from a child of God to her daddy and Abba in heaven, who hears all and says, I love above all things to answer the cries of my children. I want you to ask. I want you to seek. I want you to knock. And don't give up. Be persistent. See, unless you have that kind of passionate, heartfelt prayer life with God, you will not see the victory. You will not see heaven's power or all of God's blessings because everything God wants to do in your life, your marriage, your family, your kids is linked to prevailing prayer. God says, you don't have because you don't ask for it. If you ask, I will answer. That's how it works. What can God do that you can? I, I want to give you a few examples of some things he's doing that we got no power for. I'll tell you what God can do that you can. How about conceive a child? Heard this week from a husband and wife who came forward for prayer during our Divine Direction series. They had a miscarriage last summer. They were heartbroken. Anybody who's been through that, no, deep pain in the heart. And last week in our fast series, just found out they're pregnant again. And uh, her family is fasting and praying as she carries this baby to term. Those of you who are trying to start families, God can do it. God can do it. Prayer releases heaven's power. You ask, God answers. What can prayer do that you can't? How about change the heart of a child? I heard from a dad who's been praying for his adult son in his 20s, kind of walked away from the family, from faith, church, the whole thing. A lot of pain and rejection, making bad decisions, really lost. And the heart of the dad, he said, Tim, I'm fasting and praying that my son, he's in another state, that he would return to the Lord. And so uh, he's praying and fasting. And last Sunday, while you were sitting in this service, his, you know, phone starts vibrating, and he goes out into the lobby, and it's his son. He says, Dad, you'll never guess where I am. He said, I'm in a church right now. I woke up, and I felt like I was supposed to be in a church, and the preacher's talking about the unconditional love of God, and Dad, it broke me, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. They just wept together in the lobby. 
That's the power of prayer. Guys, that, guys that, parents, when your kids are out of your hands, you put them in God's hands. Listen, you've got stories of what God's doing in your life. And if you've got a testimony, we would love to hear it. If you can email us, let us know what's going on in the fast. Here's the address. It's fast at liquidchurch.com. In other words, it's not tim at liquidchurch.com. You don't have to email me. I want you to email fast. And we just love to be praying with you. What can God do in your life that you have no power for? How about heal a body? This, this Praise God for this. Listen to this. Woman hospitalized with pneumonia, actually very serious though, life-threatening. Two weeks in the hospital bed, and here's what she said. Our life group prayed, our worship team prayed, our pastors, friends all over New Jersey prayed, and the, but the doctor warned us, even if she pulls through, she'll have to stay in acute inpatient facility for not moving so, after so long. Listen to this, I love it, put it up on the screen. They were wrong. On the day we began fasting, she began walking. And she's now home, getting stronger with every day that passes because we're more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. Give him a praise. Prayer can heal a broken body. I, I, think, I think of, you know, I think of, we're going to talk about healing prayer next week. It's very, very powerful. We've had people be healed of all sorts of things here. If you know someone who's sick or someone even in your family, bring them next week. We're going we're gonna to pray on them. But I was reading this, and I, th I thought of King Hezekiah. In the Old Testament, he actually was told to get his affairs in orders because the doctor said, you're going to die. Uh, we don't know. It probably was tumors. He probably had the type of cancer. You know what scripture says? Hezekiah turned his face to the wall, and he wept bitterly, and then he prayed. He said, God, I'm not ready to die. I'm too young. Don't tell me there's no hope when the doctor gives up on you because God added 15 years to the life of King Hezekiah. Prevailing prayer can conquer cancer. It can defeat disease, guys. Prevailing prayer can tell the stroke to go back where it came from and add years to your life. See, fasting and prayer, they're weapons that release the power of God and push back the enemy. 2 Corinthians 10 says this, For though we live in the world, we have all its effects, we do not wage war as the world does. In fact, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world, on the contrary, they have what? Divine power to demolish what? Strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? It's like a bear hug. Everyone make a bear hug like this, right? It's a picture of when the enemy, he's get your arms around you, and you can't get free out of him. That's a picture of addiction. What can God do that you can't? How about break addictions in the name of Jesus? We had a testimony from a... Uh, a female, a woman smoker, she said, I'm trying to quit cigarettes. And it's an amazing story. She said, I was weak on Wednesday. And I went outside, you know, break at the office. She goes, and I literally took out my cigarette. And I couldn't put it in my, couldn't put it in my lips. And it actually fell out of my hand. And I started singing a worship song. She goes, I don't sing, let alone worship songs. We said, worship is a weapon. It pushes back the enemy, guys. So whatever you're trying to break free from, whatever, whatever stronghold, whatever addiction, you're going to do it in Jesus' name. I, I know I gave, I, just by the way, I know I gave you smokers kind of a hard time last Sunday, but I, I, I honestly feel strongly about this. You can, some of you, oh, the young people, you can't afford to make your body your enemy. If you smoke, you chew, you vape, you are taking 20 years off your life. Think of it this way. You are committing suicide by installment plan. That's what you're doing, all right? The Bible says your body's a temple of the Holy Spirit. 
And you got to keep it clean and healthy, so keep going. Get rid of the pills, get rid of the pornography, get rid of whatever has a stronghold around you. Maybe you've tried to quit, you've tried the patch, have you tried prayer? Don't fight in your own strength, guys, it's not enough. you got to say, God, I need your power to overcome. So if there's a secret sin in your life, a stronghold that you can't break free, whether it's food uh, addiction or gambling or pills, porn, you got to declare war on that sin with prayer and fasting. you got to say, Holy Spirit, I need your power to walk in the freedom that Christ gave me. That's the key to victory. You first have to surrender, right? That, what did Moses do? He raised his hands. What's that a universal sign of? Surrender. See, Jesus said it's the upside-down kingdom. He who surrenders first gets the victory first. You're not caving to the enemy. You're surrendering to God and saying, I have no power for this battle. It's bigger than me. But God, I believe this fight ain't mine. It's yours. Moses is the original prayer warrior. He called down heaven's power to do for him what he couldn't do in his own strength. And whenever you pray, understand, it is a declaration of war against the enemy. I believe every Christian needs to have a war room where you go to pray daily. Anybody see the movie War Room? It's actually a pretty good movie. It's worth renting. Okay, cool, yeah. I mean, you know, Christian movies can be cheesy sometimes. Can we just say that, you know? Uh, Kirk Cameron, all that. But uh, so that's my flesh. This is a good one. This is a good one. It's about the power of prayer in everyday life. It's the story of a, a couple. The woman's name is Elizabeth and her husband, Tony. They, what's cool is it's real life. They have a rocky marriage. They'd actually fit right into New Jersey. They're very polished professionals, both work on the outside, polished. But behind the scenes, their marriage is falling apart behind closed doors. Until Elizabeth meets Miss Clara, a saint in her 70s. Now, don't let the gray hair fool you, okay? She is old school prayer warrior, fierce. And with her, you know, head bowed and her hands raised, she fights for those she loves, for her marriage, her kids, from her prayer closet. See, Miss Clara has a prayer closet. In her bedroom, this closet, there's no shoes or clothes. But she goes into it, and behind closed doors, from her knees, she targets the enemy and calls on the Lord to fight her battles. I want you to watch this. Now this is where I do my fighting. A closet. I call it my war room. So, so you wrote prayers for each area of your life? A prayer strategy? Yes. Now, I used to do what you and your husband are doing, but it got me nowhere. And then I really started studying what the scriptures say. And God showed me that it wasn't my job to do the heavy lifting. No, that was something that only he could do. It was my job to seek him, to trust him, and to stand on his word. Miss Clara, I've never seen anything like this. And I admire it. I really do. I just, I don't have time to pray that much every day. But you apparently have time to fight losing battles with your husband. Elizabeth, if you will give me one hour a week, I can teach you how to fight the right way with the right weapons. 
What are the weapons? Oh, you're going to hear from Miss Clara a little bit more. <laughs> On her knees, hands raised, Miss Clara goes to war. In her war room, her prayer closet. Where does she get this idea from? From Jesus in Matthew 6, who said, when you pray, it's not about making a big deal, fancy prayer at church. He said to his disciples, but when you pray, go into your room and you close the door and you pray to your father who's unseen, the invisible realm. And then your daddy who sees what's done in secret, what's he going to do? He will reward you. Guys, we live in a culture of social media where everybody shows everything to everyone every second of the day. And God says, in my kingdom, I want you to share everything about everybody with one person, me. Get in the prayer closet. Jesus says, because there's a direct connection between private prayer and public reward. If you humble yourself behind closed doors, God said, I will actually platform you publicly. See, it turns out the secret to prayer is secret prayer. I want to say that again. The secret to prayer is secret prayer. I just said something there. You ought to write that down. That's pretty good. It's time alone with God every day on your knees, hands in the air, praising your Father in heaven, confessing your sins, asking him to cleanse your heart, and actually asking for his wisdom and strength. It's pleading Jesus' blood over your family, your marriage, your kids, your career. Can I ask, do you have a war room? Do you have a place to pray? Where you go and you fetch strength against the enemy? What can prayer do that you can't? How about change the heart of your husband? Look at this. Woman wrote this. In just four days of fasting, <laughs> I saw my husband this morning peeking through my Bible, looking up scriptures and asking me questions. Hello? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> my husband is actually reading the Bible, being interested. Praise Jesus. This stuff works. <laughs> I just warned some of you. You got people praying behind your back. Now understand something. God isn't a genie. He doesn't take out a magic wand and magically grant every request that you have. In fact, God will often use that time in the prayer closet to bring your desires into alignment with his desires. It's not, oh, I want this, Daddy, but then you spend time with the Lord, and he says, this is what I want, and I want you to want what I want. So be warned, your prayers may get answered in ways you didn't expect. Uh, another woman who's fasting and praying wrote this. She said, last night, my husband and I got into an argument. By the way, this is one of our marriage mentors. I won't even say their name. This is so real. It was one of those nasty, impatient, angry moments between us that always have gotten a lot worse before they ever get better. Well, we stomped around our room for a bit, but then we had to separate to say, you know, good night to the kids. Listen to this. In those few moments apart, the Holy Spirit spoke to each of us separately in an almost audible voice, pointing out where we were wrong, dousing the angry fire within and leading us to humility. When we met up again just a few minutes later, we couldn't believe how calm the atmosphere was between us. We were able to sincerely confess where we were wrong, take responsibility for how we hurt the other person, and ask for and receive forgiveness. Tim, there is no way to account for the speed and sincerity of our reconciliation except participating in the fast. The Holy Spirit has more control over us because we've surrendered control over what we put into our bodies. How great is our God? Give him a praise. That's what God does, guys, because in prayer and fasting, you're saying, Holy Spirit, take control of everything. See, sometimes prayer changes your situation, but guess what? Prayer always changes you. Always. 
So when you spend time with Jesus, you become more like him. As you fast, your flesh is dying. But you're going to start seeing your spirit come to life to the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. And guess what? When you change, all your relationships change. Because prevailing prayer releases heaven's power, number one. And number two, it disarms your enemy. Second big idea. Remember when Roses waved his hands or put him in the air, they're winning. But when he put him down, losing, the enemy was winning. So you better understand who your enemy is. Some of you think it's someone you're living with. That's not your real enemy. Here's what Ephesians 6 says. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against who? The devil's... What? What's the word, church? Circle that word. Write schemes and write the word plans. Think of it this way. Everyone loves to hear, God's got a plan for your life. Guess what? Devil has a plan for your life. Devil has a scheme. You know what that is? That is a strategy. It's a battle plan against you, against your kids, against your family. He's behind 99% of the self-centered thoughts that we think and the lies that we believe, even tricking us to declare war on somebody else. Some of you have declared war on the wrong enemy. In other words, like your spouse. You put a bullseye on this back and you're like investing all your energy and your time and your prayers and even the wrong prayers because like, God, fix her, change him. Problem isn't him or her, it's your heart. Don't kick, the de- don't kick your spouse out of the house, kick the devil out. He's the real enemy. The Bible says this, for our struggling against flesh and blood, humans, it's against rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world. It's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So understand Another human being is never the enemy. You don't go to war against them. That's, that's friendly fire. you got to put your prayer targets on the back of the real enemy. In the movie War Room, Miss Clara has a talk with Elizabeth because she's pretty sure her husband, Tony, is the enemy. She, he's the problem. He flirts with other women. He almost had an affair. He's dishonest at work. Very deeply flawed man. But Clara calls Elizabeth to fight the real enemy. Watch this. Elizabeth. There's not room for you and God on the throne of your heart. It's either him or it's you. You need to step down. Now, if you want victory, you're going to have to first surrender. But Miss Clara, do I just back off and choose to forgive and then just let him walk all over me? God is a good defense attorney. Trust it to him. And then you can turn your focus to the real enemy. The real enemy? The one that wants to remain hidden. The one that wants to distract you and deceive you and divide you from the Lord and your husband. You see, that's how it works. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is stealing your joy. He is killing your faith. And he's trying to destroy your family. If I were you, I would get my heart right with God. And you need to do your fighting in prayer. And you need to kick the real enemy out of your home with the word of God. It's time for you to fight, Elizabeth. It's time for you to fight for your marriage. It's time for you to fight the real enemy. It's time for you to take off the gloves and do it. Man, who wants Miss Clara to preach up in here? Invite her next week, man, guest speaker. 
So it's time for you to take off the gloves. It's time for you to actually fight the real enemy. Fight for your children. Fight for your grandchildren. Remember, Satan has a battle plan against you. The question is, do you have a battle plan against him? It's why Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer. He says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. You're going to call on your Abba in heaven, our Father who's in heaven. But here's the important thing. You're going to say, forgive me for my sins as I forgive those who what? Sin against me. So I'm going to release those who cause pain, but then I'm going to fight the real enemy. Don't lead me into temptation, but deliver me. Help me overcome the evil one. So what do Christians do? We pray for our enemies. You, we keep our hearts soft. We keep it tender towards them. But then we fight hard against our spiritual enemy. We come against the devil. We remind him he's been defeated by the cross of Jesus Christ. On that cross, his blood, the lifeblood of God was spilled out for you. It's in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And we praise God for the victory. I love the way Miss Clara prays in the war room. I mean, she goes to war. Later on, she gets a phone call from Elizabeth, uh, just praising God. She's like, I can't believe it. Tony and I had this breakthrough. Not all, you know, perfect and clean and tied up with a nice bow, but he kind of came clean about his sin, and they start working to rebuild their marriage. And I want you to watch Miss Clara's reaction, because when Miss Clara prays, the whole neighborhood hears it. Take a look. You've done it again, Lord. You've done it again. You are good, and you are mighty, and you are merciful. And you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it. Praise you, Jesus. You are Lord. Give me another one, Lord. Guide me to who you want me to help. Raise up more that will call upon your name. Raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. Lord, we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel. We need an army of believers, Lord, that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. I pray for unity among those that love you. I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth, Lord. I pray for your hand of protection and guidance. Raise up warriors, Lord, who will fight on their knees who will worship you with their whole hearts, Lord. Lord, call us to battle that we may proclaim you King of kings and Lord of lords. I pray these things with all my heart. Raise them up, Lord, raise them up. I saw that, I was like, I don't think I've ever prayed before, <laughs> right? Do you want a prayer warrior like Miss Clara going to war for you? You know, I love that old, that's old school. You know, we're a new school church. I think we need some old school prayer, amen? Can I, do you got a prayer partner like that? You got someone with you storming the gates of hell? Because this is the secret. If you want to prevail in prayer, remember, Moses didn't go up on the mountain alone. He had two friends. And Exodus said, 
When Moses got tired praying, Aaron and her held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands were made steady till sunset, and he won the war. Is that not beautiful? Moses had hands literally lifting his hands up, holding them up, because in the kingdom, prevailing prayer always requires partners. you got to have someone to pray with. Sometimes the burdens we bear, they're just too heavy to carry alone. Some of you came in today carrying this thing. You're like, I'll sing a few songs. I'm just going to carry it right back out. You don't have to carry it alone. That's why we have the church. We have an Aaron, a her. We have prayer partners who want to come alongside you. And I'm convinced this is why the majority of Christians give up on prayer. Because they pray alone. Let me tell you something. There's no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian. Christianity is a team sport. And you need prayer partners. You ever notice like when people go to the gym? People who start out good intentions and they go, but if they don't have a workout partner, they pretty much quit within the first four weeks. When you start an exercise program, did you know this? 80% retention, more likely to stick with it if you have one exercise partner. Same thing when it comes to exercising your spiritual muscle. Prayer and fasting is designed to be done in community with a partner. So guys, if you have a family, you got to pray with your spouse this week. Pray with your kids during this fast. Husbands, pray with your wives. Take the risk to be a spiritual leader. I know it may feel awkward sometimes, but here's the truth. Couples that pray together, stay together. That's the truth. If you don't have a spouse, pray with your small group. We are asking all our groups to kind of crank up the prayer volume this week and give extra time to pray for each other. When Kyle and I look back on the small groups we've been in, man, the stuff that we have faced some big battles. We've prayed for, for, for group members, you know, who've gone through uh, battle breast cancer, three job losses, uh, you know, two decisions to move, hostile work environments. We've prayed over our kids. So understand, when, whatever you're fasting for, you are not in this fight alone. And Jesus says, don't you dare do it, because that's where the power is. Look at this, last verse. In Matthew 18, Jesus makes this promise to his disciples. He says, I tell you, in other words, I'm promising, if two of you on earth agree about anything that they ask for, what? It will be done for them by my daddy in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, where's Jesus? There am I with them. There is a difference between prayer energy of one person and prayer synergy of a group. Energy and synergy, very different. In other words, you're like, oh, I've been praying alone, you know, I've got the energy. But what happens is when you pray with another believer, it's like your prayer streams cross. And the impact is multiplied in heaven. It's not single prayer energy. It's the power of compounded prayer. Synergy. When one Christian prays, he can set a hundred to flight. With two or three praying, she can send an army. When two or three believers come together, guys, you know what we got? We got a quorum. We get to outvote the devil. We get to agree for a miracle in your life. Because it's the body of Jesus assembling for battle. And Jesus says, I'm right in the middle commanding the war. Is that encouraging to you? You're sitting in a room today at every campus. And there's not two or three. There's not 20 or 30. We don't even have two, 3,000. We've got 4,000 people in this church who are praying and fasting and worshiping for breakthrough. So there's power in the room right now. Amen? Amen. The Holy Spirit is here. Some of you all feel them, don't you? Yeah, well, get ready. Because we're going to have an old school prayer meeting right now. Where's my Aaron and her, all right? I want to, I look at this. I want to I end with this. I'm serious. You, you know what I could do? I could just preach about prayer and say, I hope you, good luck with that this week. But I'm like, that would be a total miscarriage. We need to right now not just hear God's word, but do it. We need to hold up each other's hands. And I felt like the Lord saying to me this week, no one leaves today without getting prayed for. But we don't have enough prayer warriors. So I'm going to ask you to find an Aaron and a her. 
Take a look at the person next to you. Isn't that awkward? Go ahead. Look at them right now. I'm going to ask you to find two other people to pray with, okay? And here's what we're going to do. Here's how it's going to work. All our campuses. In about 30 seconds, we're going to stand up, and I'm going to ask you. You don't have to put your hands in the air. In fact, I'm going to show you how to do it. We're going to kind of create triads. So I got two people. I got Nithin and Kyra. Just put your hand on their shoulder, and we're going to pray because you said where two or three are. I'm right in the middle of them. So I want you to look around. Would everybody stand up right now? Go ahead. All campuses, stand on up. I'm going to keep talking and give you directions. And just find two other people. If you can't find somebody, just, be, just look around and say, oh, you need a group? Jump in. If it's four people, that's fine. And here's what I want you to do. Say your first name. Introduce yourself. First name only. My name's Ken. My name's Kathy. Whatever. First name All right, you've all introduced yourself. Now I'm going to pray, and after that, I want you to just share what you need a prayer for. One or two sentences. We don't need the whole medical report. One or two sentences are fine here. Let's just pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. You are already here, God. Thank you for welcoming us right now into your throne room. Jesus, you are present in this room at every campus. We can feel your power, God. And we know that whatever we, we bind here on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose here is loosed in heaven. Father God, we surrender our will and bring it into alignment with yours. And so we are doing what your son Jesus told us to do. We are asking. We are seeking. We are knocking. We are taking authority over the enemy. We put our foot on the neck of that spirit, Father God. And we ask the name of Jesus to go out from this place. So, Father, hear the prayers of your children. You're a good daddy. Right. Reveal your love now, your 